Amen. We'll be in Matthew chapter 13 this morning. We're going over the parable of the wheat and the tares. If you're following along in your Bible, you'll notice that we're going to skip over a part of Scripture because Jesus talks about the parable of the uh, wheat and the tares, and then he explains it. Next week, we'll get back into order, but I just did it that way, and so don't think like, why is he skipping over that? Not skipping over it. We're setting it aside. We'll get back to it. But we want to talk about one thing today. That's the parable of the wheat and the tares. Verse 24, another parable he put forth to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept... His enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So then Jesus goes to explain the parable. And in verse 36, he says, Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went to the house. And his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. Excuse me. The enemy he sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers, the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all the things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the son in the kingdom of the father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. Amen. Pretty simple, right? Jesus tells this parable and says, hey man, there's going to be good seed and bad seed. They're both going to grow up together. There's going to be wheat. There's going to be weeds. The wheat is the sons of uh, the kingdom. The weed are the sons of the devil. At the end, they're all going to get harvested and the wheat's going to go to heaven. The tares are going to get burned in the fiery furnace. So if you don't get anything else about this sermon today, get this. You want to be wheat. You don't want to be weeds. Okay. Wheat goes to heaven, weeds go to hell, you want to be wheat. Sound good? All right, let's close in prayer. Now, we're going to spend a few minutes talking about it together. Uh, With the explanation of Jesus, the the simple understanding is that the seed sower is Jesus, the field is the world, wheat is the good sons of the kingdom, tares are the sons of the wicked one, the devil sows the tares. And so the good seed goes to heaven, the tares, and tares is another word for weed, uh, weeds, but it's a different kind of weed in that uh, tares are like wheat weeds, that they grow up with the wheat and they look like wheat uh, for a season, but they're not wheat. They just look like wheat. They're actually weeds. And so you can't really tell exactly what they are until the two of them grow up together. And then you're like, oh, okay, that's not wheat. That's a tear. And so those tares need to be pulled out. Now, some people have said that this represents the church, but this scripture does not represent the church. Uh, you, you see very plainly that Jesus says this represents the world. He didn't say church. As we continue to go through this, uh, you'll see in Matthew 18 later on, there's very clear understanding of how we're supposed to deal with people in the church that are not Christians. And so we'll get into that when we get to Matthew 18. But this is not about that. This is about the world. This is about Christians growing up in a world and the tares, the sons of the evil one, being grown up at the same time. And so if you've ever sat and you thought like, man, why is there so much evil in the world? Why is it that there's all this bad stuff that happens around me? It's because God is allowing the tares to grow up with the wheat. And at the end, there's going to be a huge harvest. And God is going to take the wheat, the Christians. He's going to put them in heaven. He's going to take all the sons of the evil one. And he's going to throw them into the fiery furnace where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, which is going to be hell. There's going to be a great separation at the end. And so as you're walking through this, and you look at life and you say, man, why has it got to be this way? It's the way that God has designed it, that wheat would grow up with the tares. This message is not about you looking for tares among you though. This is not a message for you to sit around and be like, oh, well, that person's a weed. Oh, that person's a tear. That's not at all. This is a message about you looking into your own heart and trying to determine, am I wheat or am I weeds? Because you do not want to be weeds, friend. You do not want to go to this fiery furnace. Not at all. 
Everybody knows what wheat is, right? <laughs> like three of you. Wheat, it's food. It's good. Weeds, bad. Nobody, nobody likes weeds. If, if you've been some sort of farmer or had a, a, a flower bed or had some sort of grass at your house, you know, nobody likes weeds at all. So how do we apply this to our, uh, to our lives? First, first point I want to make this morning is this. Make sure that you're wheat and not a tear. Now, if weeds go to heaven and weeds go to hell, we all want to be wheat. Amen? Now, I don't want to minimize this scripture, may light of, make light of it, but I will tell you, I'm really glad that weeds go to hell because I hate weeds. If you've ever worked in your lawn before, you know that those things are relentless, right? If you ever had to try to have like a flower bed, these things just come out of nowhere, they multiply, and I will have no love lost about watching every weed burn in hell. Be very excited. I hate those things, man. Why, why is it that grass can't grow where you want it to and weeds will grow everywhere, but weeds will literally grow, grass will grow where you don't want it to, but weeds grow, I just, darn you weeds, I'm glad you're going to hell. I want to be wheat, man, verse 43, then the righteous shall find for, shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I want to be wheat. I want to be bread. I want to be carbs. Amen. Excited to be carbs. Jesus is the bread of life. Bread is good. How many of y'all carved out this weekend? Praise God. Yeah, this is the weekend for it, man. I ate some really good carbs. I probably look a little bit puffy from the amount of carbs. And so I want to be carbs, man. I want to be bread. I want to be a good, healthy crop that can be harvested. I'm just, you know, whenever I eat that wheat, I'm just preparing myself for the harvest. Amen. And we've talked a lot about fruit over the last few weeks here, and, and, and we want that. We want to be fruitful. We want our lives to display the glory of the one that saved us. And, and if you've been at this church longer than a month, you realize that part of what we do here, and it's just kind of always been this way, is we're really into self-examination here. And, and if you're not into self-examination, you will not last long here. Because the word, some of you like, amen, is... Uh, <laughs> Because the message is we really want them to come into your heart. They, we, we want them to be something. I don't, I don't want to sit here and entertain you. I don't want you to come away like, man, that was really entertaining. I want the sermon to go farther than the parking lot. I, I want you to have to really look inside and say, where am I at spiritually? What, what things need to change in my life? And some people would argue with me and say, you know what, Pastor, you sure don't talk a lot about assurance of salvation a lot here, but we do if you're paying attention. Uh, we can rest in the assurance of Jesus and his salvation. Just because we talk about self-examination does not mean that I am rest, that does not mean that I'm not resting in the salvation of Jesus. It doesn't mean that I don't believe that I'm going to heaven. It doesn't mean that I'm afraid of losing my salvation. But if you're here today and you're not a Christian, that you should be examining yourself. You should be looking in your heart. You should be asking, all right, this guy's talking about wheat that goes to heaven and wheat that go to hell. Am I a wheat or am I weed? Is that something that I, I, I should figure out where to, because this has eternal consequences. This has eternal consequences. This isn't something you should take lightly. This isn't something that you should just pass off and say, well, it probably doesn't matter whether it eternally matters whether you are wheat or you are weeds. As a, as a Christian, we should be looking at our hearts. We should be examining ourselves to continually move towards sanctification. Just because I talk and say, well, examine your heart, it's not because I, I don't want you to not be sure of your salvation. It's because I want you to actually examine yourself so you can move along in the process of sanctification, become more and more like Jesus, become more and more like the Savior. The Bible says in Psalm 139, 23 through 24, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And that, that's a great verse to start with. It's a, it's a place where you can start and say, you know, Lord, search me, try me, look inside of me. Is there anything inside of me that's not of you that needs to be removed? And if it is God, I want you to remove it from me. I want you to take it from me and I want nothing to do with it. A few weeks ago, my wife was uh, preaching on a Wednesday night and she asked this question. If you had cancer, how much cancer would be acceptable in your body? How much? 
If, if you went to the doctor and they said, we're going to remove the cancer, would you say, well, leave a little bit in there. I just leave just a tiny bit because I, I don't want it all gone. No. If you were drinking a punch bowl, how much dung would be allowable to be in that punch bowl that you would still drink it? Well, it's not that much. It's just a little. We'll just have a small glass. Same thing when it comes to the sins in our lives. I mean, what's acceptable? Is there, well, you know, it's not that big of a one. I think it'd be good for us to keep that one in there. No. See, the church has three ordinances that belong to us. Marriage belongs to the church. Baptism belongs to the church. And communion belongs to the church. And if you don't know what communion is, that's when we take the bread and the, uh, and the juice and we come together and we commune with God. And we, we do it on a regular basis at our church. We do it about once a month. Some churches do it every week. Um, we just kind of do it once a month. There's, the Bible doesn't really say how often we need to do it. The Bible just says that we need to do it continually on a repetitive basis. And so when you come to do communion, uh, it says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine, but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and of the cup. That's a continual process of our faith. Self-examination is part of who we are as Christians. And even God, as he describes and, and prescribes communion, he says, you want, as you do this as a continual ordinance of the church, I want you to examine yourself. I want you to look inside of your heart and say, even as you take communion every month, where am I at, man? What, what have I been doing? What have I been thinking? Where's my heart? Is my heart in the right place? And if it's not, there's something inside of me that needs to change. There's something inside of me that needs to be different. I, I need to change this thing about me because I want my life to line up with the Word of God. I want my life to be a life that's pleasing to Him. God wants us to live in reflection. He wants us to look at our hearts continually. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves as a, whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you're disqualified? And it's, and it's not out of fear, but it's out of reverence that we go to God and say, you know what, God, what, what, what else do you want of me? Like what, what are you speaking to me in this season? What sacrifices are you asking of me? My wife and I have been married for 23 years. I, when I, when I asked her, are, are you okay? Uh, is there something you need from me? It's not because I'm afraid that we're going to have a divorce. It's not because I think she's leaving me. It's because we're in a relationship and I know my nature and there might be things I should be doing that I'm not doing. Or there's things I shouldn't be doing that I am doing. And so I check in with her and be like, is there something that needs it? Yes, yes, there's this. And then she has a list and then I do it. It's, <laughs> but I don't ask her that question because I'm, a, I'm afraid of what, the status of our relationship. I do that because I have reverence for her. I love her. I want to have a, I don't want anything to become a problem between us. Lamentations 340. Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. First Corinthians 927. This is what it says. But I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now, if you're a person that fights the flesh, You'd, you'd agree with me that this fight in the flesh is no joke. It's not something that you take. Like, now, people that aren't fighting the fight, they're just like, yeah, what is this dude talking about? But if you're engaged in this battle and every day you're trying to honor God with your life, dude, it's an all go, no quit, up at dawn, pride swallowing siege, man. It's not something that you should take lightly. And so for us that are fighting the flesh, we know this. And so you would say to me, all right, pastor, okay, I want to be wheat. You want to be wheat? Right, right. So what's the litmus test, man? How do, how do we know? Like, give me a scripture. Give me something to start with. Give me a place where I can be like, okay, I'm, I'm trending well. Here, here's a good scripture to start with. Galatians 2.20. <clears throat> I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so you can ask yourself that question and say, have I been crucified with Christ? Have you? Is the life that you live to yourself or is it for Jesus? Are, every day, are you thinking, how can I satisfy myself? How can I satisfy the desires of my own flesh? Or do you wake up and say, you know what? I want to satisfy God today. I want to live for him today. I, my plans are irrelevant. My thoughts are irrelevant. My desires are relevant. What's relevant is I've been crucified with Christ. And all I want to do is I want to live for him. And so if you're asking, man, am I wheat or am I tares? If you're not crucified with Christ, you can't be wheat. 
See, tears in verse 41, the son of man will send out his angels that will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now, whenever I preach, I I always try to answer people that don't want to listen in the middle of my sermon because people love to argue. And so I try to like shut down the the emails in the sermon. So, because here's what happens when you start talking about hell, there's people always have a theology of hell. They say, well, you know, hell is figurative. It's not literally. And they'll say things like, you know, when Jesus said Gehenna, Gehenna was a, a dump where they burned garbage on the edge of Jerusalem. And that's true. That what I mean, Gehenna, the word for hell, Gehenna was an actual place in the edge of Jerusalem where they burned trash and burned bodies, and, and that was it. And so we say, well, Jesus was just talking about the fiery dump at the edge of the city. He wasn't literally talking about people going to a literal hell and being tormented for all eternity. And I'm like, well, yeah, but here's the deal, is that in here he says, well, we'll cast them into the furnace of fire where they'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's not called Gehenna there, but here's what I know. I don't want to go to a place called furnace either. I don't want to go to the place that says weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That doesn't sound like a great place. And, and, and so we want to argue about, well, is hell real? I don't, I, 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 the Gehenna thing and all that stuff, I'm 100% sure that hell is real. I believe in a literal hell is a literal place of torment. In this scripture specifically, it doesn't say hell. What it says is furnace. So if you'd say, well, I don't believe in hell, well, you've got to at least believe in furnace. You don't want to go to furnace. Go to furnace. You can start using that one, huh? No euphemisms. We don't do it. But that sounds bad, right? Now the tares, they're the fake wheat that grows among the wheat. We don't want to be that either, man. I don't want to be fake wheat. I want to be robust wheat, man. That's what I want to be. So if you're sitting here and you're wondering, am I wheat or am I weed? Well, are you a slave to lawlessness or a slave to righteousness? Like, whom do you obey? Like, are, are, are you just subject to your desires? Do you just, like, whatever your flesh feels like doing, you're like, well, I felt like saying that. I felt like doing that. I felt like having that. I felt like going there. So I just did whatever I want. Are you a slave to righteousness? See, because tares are slave to, unlawless, uh, to lawlessness, and wheat is slaves to righteousness. That's, that's how you differentiate between the two. Uh, in Romans 6, 19, this is what it says. It says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. And what does that mean? It's like, what is controlling you? What are you submitting to? Do you go to God and say, God, I want to be your slave. I want to do whatever you desire of me and whatever it is, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow your ways. I'm going to say what you want me to say. I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm not going to be ran by my desires. Because really that's the difference between a wheat and a wheat is who runs your life. Is it your desires or is it Jesus? Because if it's your desires, you just kind of like, hey man, I felt like it. I did that and that's what I wanted to do. This life is mine. I'm going to do whatever I want. Boom. Back to Galatians 5.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. If you're living for yourself, it's impossible to be wheat. You're a weed. Weeds live for themselves. Now, we all have desires that are contrary to the Bible. I'm not standing up here and like, I have arrived and everything that goes through my mind is utterly, completely holy. No. Right? You you guys too, right? Are you guys perfect? Okay, perfect. We'll stay with it. I just want to make sure. Because for me, I know that I have desires that come up in my mind all the time. I just take them captive. I don't, I don't want them to rule me. I'll give you an example. I, dude, I love me some carbs, man. Like I really do. And if you don't know what a carb is, a carb is anything bready. And, and I used to have a really bad donut problem. And, and I, 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 I say it in jest, but it's like for realsies, uh, because I just love carbs, man. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Who doesn't love a hot, oily, sugary donut, right? Where are my people at? All right, the rest of you guys are lying in church. I, I just, you know, and there's this donut shop down here in Auburn, and I'm always down here doing ministerial duties and everything else. And so there was a time in my life in ministry where there, I literally would not drive by without getting a donut. 
Like, because you know what I tell myself is it's not meth, right? I'm like, just a donut. It's like every time I come by and I just, you know, it's just, you know, one or three, like, what's the problem? And then like, I don't know, it was probably about four years ago and I decided I didn't want to go into my fifties overweight. And so I just, I drastically changed my eating and I went from like eating donuts, like four or five times a week to like eating donuts, like once every, I don't know, four to six weeks which is a lot different when you were a guy that just ate all the time. And I used to like eat a lot of pancakes and Oreos and all these other things that I would eat all the time. And it's funny, my son always says, man, I miss Fat Dad. Fat Dad was a lot funner. <laughs> and uh, dude, this Fat Dad would eat pancakes at night and Fat Dad would, you know, double fist the bear claws. Like, that's what Fat Dad would do. And uh, I'm not saying it's the best life. Like... Gosh, I just, and sometimes I want to go back. Like sometimes I just want to, you know, go my two pants sizes up and just get back to carb guy. But I just realized it's not good. And so now that I've been doing this now for four years, I'm no longer a slave to that desire, right? Donuts don't control me. I control it. I, I can, I can drive by and not stop. I can sit in front of other people that are eating and not eat. I can, I've just kind of brought it under subjection. Now I, I use, and, and it's funny because people say, man, you talk about donuts a lot. Yeah, man. Because like talking about some of the icky, nasty stuff, you just like, ew, you know what I mean? It's like, it's easier to talk about, but it's not about donuts, right? It's not about donuts. It's about everything else in your life. Because really a desire is a desire and a control is a control. And so like bringing that thing under subjection is possible. Because then you can be like, I'm not being controlled by this external thing that's making me do something that I don't want to do. I control it. And so that's the difference between wheat and a tear is a tear just goes like, well, I feel this way. I'm just going to go and do it. And I'm going to justify it based on my feelings instead of saying, you know what? No, I'm not going to allow my flesh to do that at all. Be a slave to righteousness. Don't be a slave to your desires. Fight them. The other part of it is, is that you do not fellowship with lawlessness. You don't fellowship with lawlessness. Second Corinthians 6.14 says this. It says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness. As, as Christians, we are called to fellowship with like-minded. That, that means the bulk of the time in which we spend is supposed to be around other pieces of wheat, not pieces of weed. And people say, well, you know, and that's always the same people, man. Jesus spent time with sinners and it's true. He did. And he got them saved. And a lot of them went away from him because of the way that in which he spoke to them about how they were supposed to be living their lives. He didn't just go out and, you know, party with them all the time. And everyone's like, man, that Jesus guy is cool, man. Like he's for real. Like he'll just hang out and do what we do. No. And so it, it, weeds hang out with other weeds. Wheat hangs out with other wheat. That's how it is. Weeds love each other. They always multiply. It's what they do. I've been fighting weeds in my yard for years. They love their friends and they make them often. And so for us as wheat, if we're hanging out with weeds, they're going to overtake the wheat. We've got to love righteousness. Hebrews 1, 9, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Friend, you have got to love what God loves and hate what God hates. You want nothing to do with that stuff, man. If the Bible says no, you want to be like, no. If God says, I don't like that. You want to say, I don't like it either. If God doesn't like it, I don't like it. And I don't care whose feelings that it hurts. I don't care if someone else doesn't agree with me. If my God doesn't like it, I don't like it. Why? Because I'm wheat, man. I'm not weeds. Weeds like evil. I don't like evil. Weeds like sin. I don't like sin. Now, if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, well, okay, but what are some of those things? Well, bless God, we've got the Bible to guide us through this. So just take a little inventory as we go through this. Uh, Galatians chapter five. Now the works of the flesh are evident. These are the tares, which are now I don't, I don't have time to explain all of these to you, but you probably went to school and learned some of these words and what they mean. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. Those are all bad, right? You can agree those are bad. Now here's what happens that you start to hear things like, oh, that's not me. And then right up here, you got this little four letter word up there, up the corner, envy. And it's, it's interesting. The Lord puts envy right next to murder. 
Like these are, this is weeds, man. Drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you want to know whether you're wheat or weed, there's a list to see. Are you doing weed work? Are you doing wheat work? Because weeds do that kind of stuff. And so you got those little sprouty weeds in your life that are those types of things. You better do whatever you can as quick as you can to get as far as you can from any one of that stuff. Here's the second part of it. Realize that this world is temporary. In this story, Jesus is talking about the world and he says the wheat and the weeds are going to grow up together and then there's going to be a harvest. That means that there is an end to this thing, friend. There's an end point. There's a point at which we're not going to have to deal with this stuff anymore. And what that means is this world is temporary. And I've said it before and I will say it again. This season of our life should be getting you to realize the temporary nature of this place in which we call home. It's temporary. And I'll say this, even if you move away from here, that place is still not your home. If you truly love Jesus, if you truly desire to live for him, you will never find a resting place on this planet that you would say, I finally feel like I found home. And if you do, you should be concerned. Because this world is not our home. This is a temporary, we are just merely passing through. This is just a temporary stop before we get to that final place of either to heaven or the furnace. That's where eternity is. Eternity is not here. And I've said it from the pulpit and I'll say it just to remind you, God has called me here for this time to battle. I, I know that God has called me to the Northwest, man. I know it. And this is a dark place. And what a pleasure. What a privilege to be able to go somewhere we can live out our Christianity every single day. We're in the fight here, bro. It's for realsies out here. In the, <laughs> it's funny. We go to the Midwest, man. We tell them what's going on out here in the Pacific Northwest. Like, man, we thought that was all like lies. I'm like, no, dude, this is for real. It's how we live out on these streets. You know what I'm saying? If I moved to the best place I could think of, that still wouldn't be my home. Not at all. You know, I, I, I did some uh, research and I, I, they didn't have current data, but I, I looked in uh, 2010. In the year 2010, the suicide rate in Hawaii was the same rate as in Washington State per capita, which is interesting, right? I mean, you figure if somebody's filled with despair and they they, they hate their lives, suicide is the, it's a good indicator of that, right? And so... Hawaii, which if you've been there, everybody's like, oh, it's paradise. And, and it is. It's an expensive, crowded paradise. <laughs> but people still don't want to live their lives in Hawaii. Yeah. People still commit suicide in Hawaii. Yeah. So, so to me, that gives us at least some small portion of data that says the actual location that you're living isn't going to be what's going to make you feel as though your life is worth living. You can be in what other people go on to vacation and find yourself filled with despair and that your life is not good enough because where you live does not determine the joy that you have in your life. John 16, 33, these things I've spoken to you, Jesus says, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Friend, I got pastor friends in California, Texas, New Mexico, in LA, in Georgia, in New Jersey, Michigan. I got pastor friends all over this nation. And when I talk to them and I get together, it's all the same complaints. It doesn't matter where they live. It doesn't matter whether it's northern Idaho or any other. It's always like the same people show up there. They're still brother so-and-so, still sister so-and-so, still got marriage problems and family problems and money problems and job problems and spiritual problems and everything else. That's why the word of God is so applicable all over the world. Because even if you go to Africa, it's the same thing. Money problems, marriage problems, kids problems, and everything else. The location does not determine your level of joy. It just doesn't because this world was created to be a temporary place. The problem isn't the state you live in. The problem is that we live in a fallen world that is filled with sin. And if you don't have this mindset, you're always going to be forever in bondage to this idea. Only if, then I'll be happy. 
That's just not the case. You, If you can't find joy right now, you can't find joy. We come from a faith of people that were in prison in fear of their lives, that sang out in worship and found joy in the midst of being in prison. And we're, we're here just like, oh man, I, I can't believe that I have to live here. Wah. First John 2.16, for all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of, the, the will of God abides forever. Friend, it's all going to burn. Yeah. All of it. Burn. Furnace. Gone. Only Jesus, heaven, and his church is what's going to endure. Now, let me tell you a story. Um, when I first got out of the military... I remember uh, I had one job for like 12 months, and I had this other job where I, I, for the first time in my life, I made pretty good money. And uh, I remember I got my first bonus check, which interestingly enough, if, if my first bonus check I got at this job was $10,000. It was a $10,000 bonus check way back in 2004. I was so excited. What I didn't realize was taxes and everything. After taxes and tithe, I'm like, it's like 5,200 bucks, man. Like what, what happened to all my money? So I told, I asked, I didn't tell Crystal. I asked Crystal, I said, honey, buy myself a treat. So what did I do? These are the olden days. We drove down to Circuit City and uh, I got myself a big, huge 42-inch rear projection Sony television. 720p. Wow. It's amazing, bro. If you turned off the lights, it would shine so bright, that rear projection screen TV. I was proud, bro. Bring over my friends, man, check out my big screen. And, you know, it was great. Because we, we went up from a tube. We had like from a 27 tube to a 42-inch rear projection. Boy, we was living that big life. <laughs> but what's interesting is that as, as the years went on and plasma and LCD and prices and everything else, we had that TV for probably at least 10 years and at the end of the 10 years, the TV still worked fantastically, but nobody wanted it. I couldn't give that thing away, man. Nobody wants an old projection screen TV. So what did we do? We took it to the dump, man. That wonderful $1,000 TV that I was so excited to have. And I remember just throwing it and just being like, man, I remember when I was so excited to get this thing. And if you're honest with yourself, you've done the same thing, right? That phone you got that you thought was so awesome just became an antiquated, like, Wait, the clothes that you bought, you're like, oh, I love this. I'm never going to stop wearing this. And then years later, you find in the back of your closet, like I actually wore this, right? Because it's all just temporary. The, the things that you thought were so great are just not that great after time because you, you just, that, that's the nature of worldly stuff. Second Corinthians 4.18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What does that mean? It's very simple. Everything you see is temporary. Everything. There's not a thing that you look at that you touch that isn't temporary. But everything which is unseen is eternal. Those are the things that are going to last forever. The things that you can't see. The only thing eternal is heaven and the souls that go there with us. There is nothing else. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Let me, let me explain to you the difference between walking by faith and walking by sight. Faith says, my job is not my provider. That's what faith says. Faith says, I'm not going to get worked up over the news. That's what faith says. Faith says, I'm going to serve God wholeheartedly. Faith says, I'm getting my kids ready for heaven, not for sports. That's what faith says. Living by sight is I need to work as hard as I can to gather as much stuff as I can so I can have value in this life. Sight says I'm worried about my food, my health care, my retirement. That's what sight says. Faith says, you know what? No, man, if he can take care of uh, the birds of the field, how much more can he take care of me? Faith says, who of you can add an hour to his life by worrying? Faith says this world is not my home. Hebrews 11:13 These all died in faith not having received the promises but having seen them afar off were assured of them embraced and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth Have you confessed that have you have you literally confessed that to God and yourself and said you know what I am a stranger and a pilgrim just passing through 
I'm just temporarily going through. This is not like, come on, man. Like this isn't that big of a deal. I'm just walking through this place. Just passing through. You know, people have asked me before. They say, you know, you always do the army examples. How come you never do the college examples? I did. I did went to college. I did. I I got a four-year degree and I got a master's degree. I I got some college. But the difference is my college stories are like, they're just not really good public stories to tell for a guy that's trying to, you know, because you put a bunch of, you know, boys in a dorm that they know that it's temporary. They just kind of do things, right? They light couches on fire and throw them off the fifth-story balcony and they you know, fill the bathroom with water and try to make a hot tub and it drains down to the next floor down. They put crickets in elevator shafts and lock people in their rooms and, you know, put chicken manure on the other floor. And, you know, I mean, it's like, they're just not like, those aren't the stories that you tell, right? It's like college hijinks. And, 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 and I was reflecting on it this week and I thought, you know, gosh, man, we just did not respect that dorm at all. Well, first off, they never should put boys in a dorm with balconies. Like that's your... That's the first step. That's not going to end well. Uh, but also, I think that we all kind of had this like mindset of this is temporary. This isn't my home. I'm not going to raise my kids there. I'm not going to make a life here. I'm just using this thing until I'm done. And that I, the dorm is still there and people still live there, but it was temporary. It's not the place where I was going to spend my whole entire life. And I get it, man. Like life, life brings a certain amount of joy, doesn't it? Yeah, there's some great things, and and some of us had some good experiences this weekend. Some people not, but nothing is forever on this earth. Nothing, and 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 so even like Isaiah 51:6 says, this earth will grow old like a garment, because like, garments wear out. Like that's that's what the Bible says. First uh, Corinthians 7:31 says, for the form of this world is passing away. Now let me say this: I always have to explain this to people. It doesn't mean that we don't take care of business. It doesn't mean that we don't provide for our families. It doesn't mean that we don't take care of our church. It doesn't mean any of those things. We don't become pietists that don't care about what's going on around us. We need to pass good laws that that, uh, protect God's people and we need to be involved with stuff. I would like to have clean drinking water until Jesus returns. Like, so I, I, I care about the environment and the oceans. I got to eat. I got to drink. I got, all those things matter to me. So I don't want you to misinterpret it and say that like, well, he doesn't care about the ocean. He's not a, I'm not an environmentalist, but I would like to be safe. I would like to be able to eat while I'm waiting for Jesus to return. And so we're not just going to step away and say, we're going to let it burn. But what the early church did is they lived with an expectation of Christ's return. They live with an expectation of what we're currently experiencing is not our reality. Our reality is living eternally with Jesus. This is not where we're supposed to be. We're just passing through. And so whatever pains or miseries I may have in the midst of this life are just that. They're temporary. And they encouraged one another with these things. They didn't sit around and say, hey, did you hear about the new Omicron? Did you hear it's breaking out in South Africa? We don't know what we're going to do. We don't know what You're going to do exactly what you've been doing, man. Trusting in God. Not worrying. Not, not being concerned with it. You're still here. You ate this weekend, didn't you? He's taken care of you thus far. You got through the first variant and the next variant and the next variant. You're still here. Don't be so consumed with it, man. If he takes you home, he takes you home. And frankly, the more we're here, the more I'm ready to go. Jeez, let's go, man. What's the point? Live with an expectation of Christ's return. Maybe if we had some public crucifixions, you'd be more inclined to think about heaven more often. But you've been lulled to a sense of complacency with your smartphones and your streaming services and your cars. If you had to walk to church for an hour and a half, you'd probably be, well, you'd be wanting heaven a whole lot more. First Peter 4, 7 says the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Here's the truth, James 4.14, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow for what is your life. It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Stop putting your hope in this world. Stop putting your hope in its systems. Stop believing that somehow there's a day that's coming and that you as a Christian person walking in a fallen world is going to have a sense of peace. It's never going to happen, ever. C.S. Lewis said something to the effect of the greatest indication that I was not made for this place is that I never feel comfortable in it. It's got to be some sort of indication that I wasn't made for this place. 
Here's the third point. You got to look for, look forward to heaven. Verse 39, the enemy who sowed them is the devil and the harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let me, let me reiterate this. I do not want to go to hell. I, I want nothing to do with hell. I don't want anything to do with furnace. I don't want to do anything with weeping, gnashing of teeth. I want nothing to do with that. And, and my theology is not that I'm running from hell. I'm not afraid of hell at all. I know whose I am and who I am. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm saved from. I know what Jesus has done for me. So in my theology, I'm not, I don't sit and dwell on hell. I dwell on heaven. I think about where I'm going. I think about how much nicer it's going to be there and, and, and how great it's going to be. I, I, I just want to be there. I want to do what heaven is doing. Now, the absolute details of heaven are not expressly clear. We get glimpses, right? The scripture tells us some stuff. We know that heaven is gold and it's a mile high and a mile wide and a mile deep. And we know that there's no pain there and there's no weeping there. We know that sinners are not there. We know that Jesus is there. We know that there's worship there. It sounds like better than here. Like I like worshiping Jesus with all you guys here. And so I'm like, if I like that here, I'm probably going to like that there. And it's going to be a whole lot better than being here. Romans 8, 24, for we were saved in this hope, but that hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly await with perseverance. Now, what's hard is that if you're here this morning, you're not a Christian or you're just kind of like a wavering cultural agreeing Christian. Like, I don't, I don't think of heaven as like an existential, like, place. Like I literally think of it as a literal, I'm going to be there. I can't wait to wake up on the streets of gold. So it's, it's a real eternal hope that I have that I dwell on. It's, it's not an idea. It's a literal place. And so at times when I'm overwhelmed at times when I don't know what I'm going to do, I think about heaven. I dwell on heaven. I, I, I realize that this is not where I want to be. And, and do you, 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 do you have that hope? Are you, are you hoping in heaven or are you hoping for heaven on earth? Because it's really like uh, the difference, the way in which you live your life. Um, th- this sermon, actually, this part of it ties into Wednesday a little bit. And one, one of the, this is one of the most perplexing problems with modern thought. And, and the movie will help explain some of these things that you have inside of your brain that you can't figure out. Is that part of the world systems and the fight that we're in is there are powers that be that are trying to institute things like cultural Marxism and communism. And, and these types of things. And you may not know what those things mean, but part of their ideology is this idea of if we can get our system in, then we're going to create a utopia. Then we're going to create heaven on earth. And then all of these problems will disappear. And then everybody can have this great life that they were supposed to be. The, the, the sad part is the way they accomplish that is taking everything from you and then you have nothing. And then you just do everything that they tell you to do. It doesn't sound like heaven to me. And, and, and so when they go through this process, it's like, it's like guns. Um, I have a pastor friend who is in Seattle and he uh, was in a meeting with the mayor of Seattle and the chief of police of Seattle. And, and so they want to do whatever they can do to get the guns out of the hands of everybody in Seattle. Why? Because side note that you, you, it's easier to control a disarmed populace. Um, that's not what we're preaching about. But my pastor friend, as he listened to them and he was in the meeting and they're like, oh, we're going to take this from them and everything else. And he just kind of waited his turn. And he said, so how do we solve the problem of people wanting to kill each other? So we we take away all their guns, but then there's still people that just want to kill people. How do we solve that problem? And he's like, well, he knows the answer, right? It's only through Jesus. Only Jesus can solve that problem. But the problem is not guns or knives or rocks. It's a human condition. It's a world that wheat and tares grow up together. And evil people have evil desires. And it doesn't matter what government system is in place. Evil people are going to do evil things. Because this world is temporary. We need to look past this world. We need to look towards heaven. We need to look to this. We need to look to the sky. Philippians 3:24. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. If my citizenship is in heaven, I need to go home. I need to go to where my Savior is. That's where I need to be thinking about. You know, when I was deployed certain times, and I, I was deployed in Bosnia and deployed in Israel, I was there for an extended period of time. I realized I was there. I just wanted to be home with my wife. 
That was my earthly dwelling place with my wife. I knew that's where I was supposed to be. Now I'm here, I'm with my wife, my dwelling place. But this isn't my dwelling place. My dwelling place is in heaven. That's where I'm supposed to be. Hebrews 13, 14. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one that is to come. Colossians 3. If you were then raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. For you died and your life is hidden in Christ with God. It goes back to the Galatians 5.20. Am I a wheat or am I a tear? Well, have you been crucified with Christ? Is the life that you live no longer for yourself but living for Jesus? Can you live out Colossians that says, For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God? That's what we're supposed to be doing. Seeking those things that are above. And so for us, and this is a, a big picture, but it's like a practical thing as well. Like you're sitting there in traffic and you're just like, Ugh. and you just want to be somewhere else doing something else. But that's your whole existence. This is not your home. Like this isn't like just this car is going to burn and there's not going to be traffic and not going to have problems. Like it just, and, and having this mindset, if you actually believe in heaven and you actually believe that you're going to go there, you, you, you actually live above this world, man. Other people are like, ah, what am I going to do? Exactly what I've been doing, man. This world ain't my home. I'm not worried about it. You pass whatever you want to pass, man. Do whatever you're going to do. I'm going to be here worshiping God until Jesus comes back. Second Peter 3.13, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. Like we, we've, got, we've, we've got to look forward to these things. We can't, we can't just forget it. We can be so focused on how to live in this life. We want to think towards future things. Here, here's part of it. And you may not know this, and I'm not going to go into too much detail about it. We're almost done. We're rounding the corner. I have a lot of pain in my life. I have physical pain. I have emotional pain. I have, uh, you know, relational pain, like all these other things. Jesus has healed me from a lot of my scars, but I've got issues. Dude, I, I, and I don't sit up here and complain about all my physical body problems or all my, you know, past pains and hurts because first off, I just don't care. Like I just don't dwell on them. And what I realize is that like, there's literally, I have problems in my life that are not going to be fixed on this side of heaven. We're just not dude. Like I'm getting older and my body is just not going to work the same way. There's been things that have happened to me as a child that are never going to be fixed. Like there's nothing I can do about it. And so I'm just like, eh, just kind of here is where it's going to be. I just look forward to heaven, man. I know when I get there, I'm not going to cry. I know when I get there, I'm not going to have any pain. I know I'm not going to have to worry about it anymore. So I want heaven, man. I want this. I want Revelation 21.4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. I've cried enough on this side of heaven, man. I've cried more tears than I can count, man. I, I want to go where I don't cry anymore. I want to go where I don't have any pain anymore. I want to go where I don't have to deal with this world anymore. First Corinthians 2, 9, but it's written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Praise God, I want that. I want to go, I want to, I want in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. I want that. And so I'm going to stay in love with Jesus. I'm going to live holy for him. I'm going to prepare my heart for heaven. This is why discipleship is so important. It prepares you for heaven. You get a new body, but you don't get a new soul. That your soul is what goes to heaven. And, and, and when you get there, if you don't love Jesus now, if you don't love his church now, if you don't love worshiping now, heaven is not going to be riding Harleys and eating you know, fried chicken. It's just not what it is, man. You want to be wheat. You don't want to be weeds. You want to be sowed by Jesus. And as you walk through this earth, friend, you've just kind of, kind of look around and be like, all right, the weeds are going to be around us, but I know the end, man. I'm going to be harvested. I'm going to heaven. The weeds are going into the furnace. And so I'm not going to let it ruin me. I'm not going to let it control me. Last scripture, Hebrews 11:16. But now they desire better. That is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. Amen. You want to be wheat. You don't want to be weeds. Amen. 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 Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. I want to encourage you to become one. It's really quite easy. Either you're living for Jesus or you're not. Either you've given your life to him or you haven't. 
The Bible says you need to turn from your sins and turn towards God. And if you've never made that decision before, if you've never said, I want to be forgiven of my sins, I want to be set free, and you want to live for him, you want to make that decision today, I want you to raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to make that? I see that hand. Praise God. Is there anybody else? I see that hand. Praise God. your hand, I want you to come walk up front here and someone will pray with you. Someone will pray with you to receive Christ. Marcus, will you stand up and pray with these young men? Gary, will you come up and pray with one of these men, please? far from God. Maybe you've been far from God and you sit here and say, you know what, Pastor, I made a decision when I was younger. Man, I have walked away from it. But I I want to come back to Jesus today. I I, I don't want false assurance. I want to change the direction of my life. I'm done walking with the world. I'm coming back to Jesus. I want to rededicate my life. Do you need to make that decision today? I want you to raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. Father, we pray today, God, as this word goes down, God, we thank you for your salvation, Lord. We just pray that there's any weeds in our heart that need to be removed. God, you remove them by the power of your spirit. Father, we thank you that you're a God that redeems. God, we thank you for what you're doing in these young men's lives. We thank you for salvation, Lord. Father, we thank you that you're able to do wonderful things in our lives, God. But we pray for us as wheat, (coughs) that as we walk through this earth, that we remember there is an end time harvest that's going to come not going to have to deal with this world. We can't wait to get to heaven with you, Lord. Please, Lord Jesus, come quickly. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch.